Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. All right, crew, let's finish this up. The Box in the Woods, part three by Maureen Johnson, and chapters 19 through 30, pages 238 through 383. Summary of part one and two. I have, the plot is made up and the characters don't matter. All you really need to know is a bunch of camp counselors were murdered in the 1970s and the sister of one of them, aka Allison, just died. Things to look forward to. Me ranting a lot. Plot holes and disappointment. If you couldn't tell, it's going to be another sassy episode from Captain Book, so we'll just jump right in. Chapter 19. Okay, so we find out that how Allison died. She fell off of Arrowhead Point. So this is where she went running with Stevie and they're like, you can see the whole camp from here. Whatever. So Carson saw police on his morning meditation walk. So he got his drone to get a closer look. And that's how he figured out what happened that it was like Allison that died. So he told Stevie to get closer with a mic and to get witness statements because he's still filming for this podcast or whatever. Carson's trying to get more video footage elsewhere. I don't know. That never really comes back around. So Stevie walks to the water's edge because she like fell off the cliff into the water. And there's some older women there. And they tell Stevie that they heard, quote unquote, someone scream, then fall off the point into the water slash rocks. So we know that's Allison. The women came to the conclusion that she must have tripped and they didn't see anyone else on the cliff, just the woman. And they say someone swam out to her just like a normal person but she was already dead. So Stevie gets David and they get in a canoe. So they paddle up to where Allison landed and the body's covered with a tarp. Why, why are you able just to paddle up to this? I don't know. But the police are investigating the point up top or whatever. And Stevie says that Allison was pristine and always on schedule. So she knew the path too well to slip and fall. And she's convinced it's no accident, just like the murders that happened at Ellingham. We get to solve another mystery. Yay, 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 whatever. So I put, Allison ran the same time every day. A murderer would have, a murderer would have known that. Duh. Hello. Chapter 20. Stevie gets called from Susan. That's the head of the camp in the 70s. And she says that Allison said that she should talk to Stevie. And Susan wants to honor Allison's wishes now that Allison's dead. Whatever. So Stevie has David drive her over to Susan's house the next day. And we waste a bunch of time with Stevie explaining how romantic feelings make you forget everything. I feel like I'm missing something. Because she's like literally like looking at David and she's like, I don't even care to go talk to Susan. I don't even care about solving these crimes. Like, what are you talking about? I've been married for several years and i'm missing something my romance is not this which probably means it's not toxic but anyways so susan tells us that she married magda which was like the camp nurse at the time and magda passed away several years ago susan was a teacher so she knew all the victims personally so she says she didn't like todd and that him and his father were sobs the mayor and none of that matters just fun fact she liked diane who was a tough cookie also doesn't matter she really liked sabrina who didn't but she's okay i guess we'll get into that and then she said she even liked eric he was a good kid and harmless harmless he sells drugs like that's not harmless sorry not sorry but like that's harmful that's like the definition of harmful anyways 
might want to turn your volume down this episode because it's just the beginning of my yelling. So Susan recounts the morning that she found Eric's body. This is the first chapter. We know. He has a horrific head wound and stab wounds. Like, we know. We get it. We read the first chapter. Snooze. So Susan confirms that she saw Greg and Sean practicing guitar. The only thing that doesn't match up and I said bad writing or plot clue, question mark, this next part. Because Susan says that Greg was on house arrest for being caught canoodling with Patty, which we knew that. But we'll get into this. Susan says that Greg had to spend the night at home. That's his alibi. But on page 219, Paul says that Greg was on house arrest in one of the camp admin offices, which I thought was going to be like, oh, Greg's guilty of something. He's not. It's just bad writing. You don't know where he's at because she doesn't know where they're at. Where they write the truly devious letter? Someone answer me that. Okay. So Susan is adamant that the cops botched the case, which they go on and on about. Also irrelevant. So they didn't search any of the counselor cabins or anything. And Susan packed up their belongings and sent them back to their parents of like all the dead kids. And she kept the drugs and such separate. What a nice girl. And the police 15 years later asked for that box. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. And none of this is relevant. So Susan said she never saw Sabrina's diary and is insistent that she has no idea who killed those kids or why. All true. All pointless. Chapter 21. Stevie feels like she's missing something about the conversation she had with Susan. And I said, I already figured it out. The thing with Greg, he probably killed everyone because he wanted to kill Sabrina for ratting on him to Patty or something stupid. That's not what happens, but that would make a lot more sense than what actually happens. So Stevie sees Sean and runs up to him and she asks him if she can talk to him about what happened like at the camp, obviously. And he says no, and he's stern about it, and he drives off. It wasn't him, but okay, waste my time is literally what my note says. And this is before I finish the story. It's not him. This is all, ugh. How many times have I said waste of time, and it's been five minutes? Okay, so then Stevie makes a list of important things that Susan said, page 267, which probably isn't that important, but I marked it at the time, so let's just see what what i want to tell you guys here's the list nothing special about the night before paul and sean in lake house playing stairway to heaven a scream ran met magda magda and susan are married gathered i don't think they were married at the time though gathered everyone in dining pavilion found three more missing patty horn new location campers sent home went to football field on night of vigil saw patty horn crying saw light of the crash up the road doesn't feel that it was a drug deal or the woodsman can't explain why okay (sighs) is this over yet (laughs) then she listens oh stevie she listens to stairway to heaven because it's going to transport her to the time period and she's going to solve everything But that's what sean and paul were trying to learn on guitar that night this comes back around like barely she being stevie makes a lot of pointless theories and she's pretty stuck on the motive of being the hit and run accident i say note to that and i'm correct so there you go i'm not even spoiling anything because i'm telling you right now you couldn't even guess the ending because there hasn't been enough hints towards it at all you're never gonna guess it i'm telling you so the kid that's obsessed with nate like the kid at the camp or whatever talks to stevie for like half a second it's really not important at all so nicole tells that's the new camp counselor leader 
Nicole tells Nate he can go back to the treehouse because the other counselor, Josh, has arrived. Not not relevant. Never, never relevant. Even that counselor not being around, not relevant. So then Stevie gets a text from David, quote unquote, the police are gone. They've opened the trail back up on the point. That's where Allison died. Chapter 22. Oh, gosh. It says, my note literally says, good Lord, we have to do David drama before we solve the crime. <laughs> Don't we always? So, Stevie can't stop about being physical with David, but he doesn't seem interested. And they go to investigate the cliff edge. It's probable that Allison could have tripped and fallen, but Stevie still thinks it was murder. Don't we all? So then they start, Stevie and David start rolling around on the ground, making out in the spot that Allison died. Super classy. Then, randomly, they stop. Then David drops his bomb on her. She's He's like, none of this matters, but I got to tell you because that's my job to tell you what happens in the book. Some guy who doesn't like David's dad offered to help David pay for school in England the next year, like college. So Stevie is unreasonably furious and childish because she's ridiculous. She rants about how people like David are always handed things and no one would be offering her anything after solving a murder, which is not true, but okay. <sighs> She's ridiculous. I like I don't even have words to explain how childish and stupid that is. So they get in this fight and they storm off and then literally it starts storming and Stevie gets pelted with hail, which is like the best thing that happens in this book. And it storms all night. And then the next morning, Stevie races to make up with David at his campsite or whatever. And this is literally a quote from the book. Arguments have punctuated their entire relationship. And I say, insert red flag emoji here because that's ridiculous. You should not be like so on and off again. If you're literally, this is a life rule here, people. Okay, so listen up. If you break up, you should never, ever get back together because you broke up for a good reason. And if you break up for stupid reasons, then you shouldn't break up at all. Okay, lesson learned. So one time, that's all you get. One breakup. There are other fish in the sea. Love, Captain Book. Okay. (sighs) be really ranty okay so she gets to the campsite that david was staying at and he packed up and left because he's mad or because of the storm is what i say but stevie assumes because he's mad i'm telling you it stormed all night and it was hailing and he was just in this baby tent so duh chapter 23 oh gosh my first note is dumb 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 i have so many problems with this chapter great so first stevie's moping about david she's mad he's privileged And I said, is he though? Like his dad sucks. So then, I don't know. I guess he's still technically privileged, but like he's living in a tent to go visit her. And she's the one that got to go to this camp thing for free. So anyways, she's mad that he didn't tell her about England sooner. He literally tries to earlier, but big who cares. So side note. So when they're like up investigating where Allison died, she's crawling around on her stomach in a white t-shirt and looking over the cliff to like where Allison fell. And now there's a black stain that isn't dirt that won't come off. Hold on to that because that will come back later. Anyways, Nate convinces Stevie to go to town and stop moping because she literally just like sits in his treehouse for hours. So Stevie concludes for no reason that the diary was important and Allison must have been close to finding it. And that's why someone killed her because someone killed Sabrina over what she wrote, which is true. But like the thought process to get to it doesn't make any sense. So long story short, Stevie in no way in particular figures out where the diary is hidden. So like I'll break it down a little. The art supply list that had the typos that she gives to Allison that Sabrina wrote. 
Apparently, there's supposedly a typo that's a semicolon instead of a colon, meaning it's a list of different types of cookie jars, not just like a cookie jar and then a turtle, blah, blah, blah. And I literally have a quote. You can look it up. Use a semicolon between items in a list or a series of items that contains commas. It's not a typo. It was used correctly. Like, it could have been. Like, this being a semicolon and not a colon doesn't change anything. So I don't know why it's like, oh, we figured this out. Anyways, turtles on the list. Sabrina loves turtles. There's a turtle cookie jar in Allison's house that she saw on the bookshelf in Sabrina's room. So Stevie and Nate are going to go investigate. Okay, that's all you need to know. I don't know how we get there logically, but now here we are. Okay, so also like my issue is you're telling me no one looked in a cookie jar at any point like not even Allison, who's super meticulous, not to mention spoiled food. Also, if you found it at the camp, wouldn't you just be like, oh, I'll throw out all the food or what's in here? Like, we're talking about murder. We didn't look in a cookie jar. That's all I'm saying. Chapter 24. So Nate and Stevie bike to Allison's house and they hide their bikes and break in with a credit card. It takes a million pages, whatever. So they don't find the cookie jar in Sabrina's room. So they start looking around the house, which takes a million hours. Then they find the turtle cookie jar in the kitchen. So Allison must have figured it out. Whatever. So it's stuck shut because it's a billion years old. But I'm saying someone could have looked at it during the time frame. Like it's stuck now, but it wasn't stuck in 1978. So anyways, Stevie breaks it open and inside's the diary. Read page 301. Okay, so she's like got this new diary, whatever. And then there's this section that says, we went back to school today after the holiday break. There was talk about delaying the opening because of Michael, but apparently it was too complicated. So we went back to the normal time. I can't believe it's been two weeks now since Michael died. And then Stevie hears a noise. Someone's trying to break into the house. They, this takes 10 and a half years too. This chapter is so long and like nothing happens. I mean, not nothing happens, but like feels like it. Okay. So they escape out the back door and run into the woods, but the mystery person hurt them and starts following them. Their bikes are gone and there's no car or anything in the driveway. So the other person must have walked there, which it's a tiny town. So that's not unreasonable. When we lived in a small town, we walked like everywhere. So anyways, Nate and Stevie start running and this person's running after them. But it's conveniently too far away for Stevie to be able to see who this person is. They hear a bullet fly past them and they run towards the lake and they're trying to get back to camp. But they're like lost. And another bullet flies past. I said, who's this person? A stormtrooper? Like, just hit him. Hit Stevie, please. So then Stevie and Nate come out of the woods at point 23. This is the one they're not allowed to jump off of. But that kid with the hot dog bun said he did or whatever. So anyways... Nate's like, we have to jump because he was Olympic slimmer or whatever. Not Olympic, but you know. And Stevie's like frozen. And then another bullet hits a tree near Stevie. So Nate pushes her and they both jump off a point 23. Chapter 25. My first note says stupid. (sighs) I told you I wasn't mentally prepared for this episode. Okay. Nate and Stevie are in the water, obviously. We find out later, but it like pushes you to believe that stevie broke her arm for a minute i thought she got shot in the arm which would be a lot more interesting but she just breaks it somehow mid-air while jumping off the cliff i don't know so david appears in a canoe and saves the day by pulling them both ashore this takes a billion years and stevie's going in and out of consciousness that's why i thought she was shot but really she just has a broken arm she needs to get over it so david never left his tent flooded during the storm so he moved sites duh called it already told you that so stevie 
like yelling. She's like, I lost the diary. And I said in the water or maybe when running, like she doesn't specify. She just said like the diary's gone. And Nate's like, just forget it because she had a backpack on and then she had to like remove the backpack so she wouldn't drown because it was too heavy. So anyways, long story short, Stevie broke her arm and is now in a cast and a sling. And she's acting like she has a head injury and had tests done, but they think it's just the trauma of the whole situation. And I said, we were liars, dot, dot, dot. It's not, but that's what it felt like. So then Nate lied to the doctors about why they jumped. So everyone thinks they were just being dumb kids. I don't know why he lied. Like, wouldn't you want to tell someone you're being shot at? But that might just be me. So anyways, Nate's uninjured. David went home for the night and Stevie's up in her hospital room for observation. The flashing and the beeping and the machines are annoying her. And she freaks out and she's like, I have to write something down important. So she writes on her cast in marker. It's a light flash form. And now she can sleep. So I thought, which this makes sense, but it's not what happened. It's the 4th of July during this whole situation. So there's fireworks. And I figured that she could see a figure chasing them between the flashes of fireworks, light flash form, form of a person. No, nope, that's not the direction we decided to go in, apparently. So we'll get to that later. Chapter 26. It says, Stevie has it all figured out, apparently, but we don't yet. You can't. There's not enough information. So she has David meet her at the hospital with clothes. Two full pages of her getting dressed. Seriously, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, it's ridiculous. She's like, how am I going to get this over my arm? David, come help me with my underwear. I'm pathetic. Which... Like, fun fact, I was in the hospital, like, when me and my husband were just dating, and I had to have an endoscopy, because from my Crohn's disease, and I was, like, really groggy from being knocked out, and I was, like, trying to get my underwear on, I was like, can you come help me? And apparently, like, I didn't even shut the bathroom door and stuff, I don't even remember it, but it's just some silly story that my husband talks about. Anyways, find a man that can help you put your underwear on, I guess, when you're in the hospital. <laughs> Life rule. Okay, so anyways, focus. They get out of the hospital. Oh, okay. So, like, Stevie, they, like, literally just leave. Like, the nurses are like, no, you can't be discharged yet. They can't keep you, technically. But they just sneak out of the hospital because this has to be done right now, which doesn't make any sense. But okay. So, they start walking to point 23 where they jumped. And she tells David she lost a diary when she took her backpack off in the water. So, either it sunk to the bottom or someone recovered it. And they look around in the dirt for a bullet but can't find one. And then she says she needs to have a think jam, which is referring to box, box, whatever, Carson, and have Janelle make crafts and show Barlow Corners a nutshell. That's how it, that chapter ends. Like, ogre. Chapter 27. So Stevie calls a town assembly and like 30 people show up. So I don't know. But she's like, in TV shows, there's always a big reveal. And then the bad guy's there. And meh, meh, meh. Okay, this is, ugh. Ugh, that's not how it really works, but a-okay. So she makes a sign. Find out what happened in 1978 tonight at 8.30. She couldn't have waited to be let out of the hospital at like 2 o'clock to do this. Anyways, she says the important people are at this town assembly. So Paul, Susan, Patty, Sean, and Sergeant Graves, who was the officer at the time. He's apparently still an officer, though. So Stevie's like just talking to the group and she's like, there's something about Susan and Paul's story. Okay. I was like, that Greg was in two different places. Nope, nope, that's not it. So she's like, the stairway to heaven thing. Like, that's too much of a detail that he was playing stairway to heaven on guitar. So he wasn't really with Sean that night. 
Like, Paul wasn't really with Sean that night. And if we recall, Paul is Michael's brother who died in the hit and run. Okay, so she's like, Paul was out meeting a boy because he couldn't come out in 1978. So Susan, who's also in the closet at the time, made up the story and involved Sean because they're friends and he's a nice guy or whatever. So none of them are guilty of murder, but they had to, like, keep this lie up for years. I never thought it was any of them, and I don't understand why we spent so much time calling out that that's, like, was an inconsistency when it really was not. Like, her whole point is, like, if someone has a really specific detail, it's not true. I beg to differ, but okay. So, Stevie says there weren't four victims, there were six. I made an assumption that apparently is untrue, and if we're, like, being honest, there's seven, but whatever, we'll get there. She said one before, so I said the hit and run. Four of the counselors, obviously, and then one after, which is Greg. So the one before, I guess, is wrong. We'll get into it. So she said they, the counselors, and Greg, I guess, were killed because one of them had seen something they weren't supposed to see. This person knew something terrible happened and tried to do something about it. Then Stevie says they found the diary and she pulls it out of her sleeve, out of her arm. And she's like, who wants to hear what Sabrina had to say? Gasp. So then David, this is a quote from the book. It says, David looks ready to ride whatever lie was about to come out of Stevie's mouth. But so then I was thinking, like, did they pretend to find the diary and like write a fake one because she figured out what was happening? No, this is the real diary. I don't even know why that quote's in there. So also before we leave this chapter, it says the stupid statue thing was like kind of relevant. So they talk about the statue and how he's this war hero or whatever. But really, he just like delayed this battle and he was a slave owner and he sucks and whatever. So this is kind of like how Susan, Sean and Paul made up a story because the town says this guy's a war hero and then it's repeated. So then they're like, he has a statue. He must be a hero. So like the whole point is like Susan, Sean and Paul repeated the story that they were together that night. So it must be true because it's been said so many times. And Stevie also mentions the moose throughout. She really thinks she saw one insert moose noise here to make my husband laugh chapter 28 okay here we go this is like the whole thing so are we ready are we buckled up are we ready to be shocked and disappointed because nothing makes sense okay so this whole section is just stevie reading dozens of diary entries like it's just diary entries So I'm going to recap the first part of the diary entries because they don't really matter in the big scheme of things and it's really drawn out. So Sabrina goes on and on about dating Sean and basically like throughout her diary entries, we see like why she's deciding to break up with him and that she breaks up with like when she breaks up with him. And he's not a bad guy. He's just clingy and they're going separate ways in life. Like we've talked about this before. Who cares? So I also like, (laughs) I think it's super rude that Stevie even brings any of this up in front of the whole town and Sean. Like he doesn't need to hear about his dead ex-girlfriend thought he was clingy and didn't want to be with him and then made out with other guys. Like why? Why did we bring this up? Because he didn't do anything wrong. It's just mean. So basically the point Like, the only kind of relevant thing was she broke up with him at the Dairy Duchess or whatever. That's where Diane works. And Diane saw the whole breakup. So then she started being nice to Sabrina and asked her to hang out with her and her friends. That's how Sabrina got in this group, whatever. So Sabrina mentions that she starts to like Eric a little bit before school ends. But that gets contradicted later, which is annoying. So we'll get into that. Like, she obviously likes him. But the time frame, if you like someone... 
You don't make out with other people, usually. That should be a life rule as well. I need, like, the crew rules or something. <laughs> oh, okay, so in the summer, Greg, that's Patty's boyfriend who ends up dying in the motorcycle accident. So in the summer, Greg invites Sabrina to go to Patty's house to go swimming because she's not there, but he's, like, allowed to use her pool, whatever. And it's just the two of them. And he says that Sabrina, or he tells Sabrina that Patty's fine with it and that Eric and Diane are going to be coming by soon. So, like, this isn't weird. So they hear a noise and Greg's like, let's go into the cabana and hide. And Patty's dad shows up and there's like another guy there. And the other man says he hasn't seen Mr. Horn, that's Patty's dad, since Harvard. And Mr. Horn says, how did you find me? Like kind of jokingly. And the man said he saw a picture of the statue of the like the Barlow statue or whatever in a bicentennial issue of Life magazine. And Mr. Horn starts talking in German because he prefers to talk about the war in German in case the neighbors can hear. Okay, read page 348 and 349. So the other guy is just going to be called Man because that's what it says at this point. We find out who he is, though. Man, who was it you were following? Von Hessen? And she says something like that because she's not sure if she heard it correctly. Mr. Horn, yes. The man. I don't think they ever found him, did they? Mr. Horn. I thought they found his body eventually. The man. No, they never found him. Mr. Horn, you keep up with this? Man, yes. Mr. Horn. Once I was out, I didn't want to look back. Man, that surprises me. Mr. Horn. Why? Man, you were always so... Dot, dot, dot. Well, it was a long time ago. This gets explained more, but that's a conversation Sabrina overhears. And then Patty comes home and interrupts the conversation. So Greg takes this opportunity to start making out with Sabrina in the cabana. And she says in her diary that it wasn't all him and she was into it too, which is weird. And then she like kind of freaks out and she's like, Patty's going to be mad. And he's like, oh, we both make out with other people. Like, it's fine. Okay. So then like, whatever, whatever. They manage to get out of the cabana unnoticed And the next day, they're being like the whole group of everybody are back at Patty's house swimming. And Sabrina notices that the pool furniture is rearranged and there's change like money at the bottom of the pool. Mr. Horn offers a beer to anyone who can get the change off the bottom. And Sabrina feels like something is wrong, but she doesn't know what. We'll get there. So the next day, Sabrina admits to Eric that she made out with Greg, which is really weird because why would you tell someone you like that you made out with their friend? And also your friend's boyfriend, but whatever. So Eric tells her that Greg's a jerk, even though they're friends, and that this would be news to Patty. Like, they don't have an open relationship. And even if they did, like, this is still weird. So then Sabrina talks about liking Eric because he makes her laugh, unlike Sean. Like, big who cares, unnecessary, whatever. So I said also Sabrina fits into this group more than people pretend like she did. We'll get into that later. But then Sabrina decides like another day to go over this motel where this mystery guy was staying. I I don't really know how she figured out where he was staying, but it makes sense. I just didn't write it down. So Sabrina says like to the front desk lady so she can ask questions. She's like, oh yeah, my dad's friend's staying here. He left something at our house. I was going to like return it to him, blah, blah, blah. So the lady's like, he never checked out. And she like confirms that this guy's name is Wendell Rolf. And... Then, like, since this guy never checked out, Sabrina suspects that Mr. Horn drowned the man in the pool and the change came out of his pockets. But then she's like, that's crazy. Why would my friend's dad be a murderer? Read page 354 and 355. 
Okay, so Sabrina's like reading back the conversation that she wrote down from like what she overheard them talking about. So Wendell is like, after Berlin, I never heard from you again. I thought the Russians killed you. And then he says, Wendell says, who was it you were following? Von Hessen or whatever his name was, because she's not sure. That's what she says in her diary. Mr. Horn, yes, Wendell. I don't think they ever found him, did they? Mr. Horn, I thought they found his body eventually. Wendell, no, they never found him. Mr. Horn, you keep up with this? Wendell, yes. So then she's like, what does this add up to? Like, they seem to know each other and there's tension and who's this other guy? Blah, blah, blah. So Sabrina goes to the library to look for books on Nazis and the fall of Berlin. So this is like the only thing that hints towards this whole plot. So earlier in the book, like what would be in like part one, which I didn't even mention, Stevie's like, you can learn a lot about people from the books they check out just like in Truly Devious, whatever. So they saw that she checked out these books on like the fall of Berlin, but it's chalked up to like, she's going to Ivy League school. I forget which one next year or whatever this coming after the summer. So it's like school reading. So it's not even that weird. And it's talked about once. Like it does not point to all this. Okay. This is not good writing. I said it. I said it. So anyways, Sabrina also calls the directory to get Wendell Rolf's phone number and she calls it like four times. There's no answer. Then later in her diary, she's at the camp. It's July and she ends up telling, so this is like a month later, she ends up telling Patty that Greg kissed her and she said Patty didn't seem mad at her, but she was really upset. So upset that she threw up. She was crying so hard. And then she like, obviously we know goes back home for the night. Then she talks about how Patty and Greg apparently made up and made out because, like, we know that whole thing because that's what they got in trouble for. So then Sabrina talks about how her library books that she ordered about the fall of Berlin and the Nazis came into the library. So she was, like, going to go pick them up and Mr. Horn was walking into the library and he, like, makes a comment about the book she's holding. He's like, that's some serious summer reading. And she's like, oh, it's for college next year. And she's like, did you have to do like summer reading like this when you went to Harvard? And he was like, that was a long time ago. I don't remember. How do you know I went to Harvard? And she's like, Patty told me, but we know she overheard it in this conversation with this other guy, Wendell. So she kind of like freaks herself out and she takes the books back in and talks herself out of this theory. Like my friend's dad's not a Nazi. I'm going to go relax in the woods. And then we know that's like the night she died. Chapter 29. Okay. Let's explain this, shall we, in some weird way. So Stevie pulls up a screen and it's Jermaine Bat because she had Jermaine do like research, I guess. I don't know. So Jermaine's like, I looked up Harvard yearbooks and I found that Wendell Rolfe and Arnold Horn graduated in the class of 1940. And she also found their enlistment records. And then she said like after that, she couldn't find anything else on Wendell Rolfe. So she finds his relatives on Facebook and she's like, I'm writing an article for Harvard So they like start telling her stuff, I guess. Anyways, kind of irrelevant. So the family member tells Jermaine that Wendell went for a weekend fishing trip in 1978 and never came back and he was declared dead in 1983. And his family always just suspected that he went off and committed suicide so they get the life insurance and I don't know, whatever. So, but we know that's not what happened. We don't know, but that's the assumption. So then... Stevie starts explaining, Ralph went to visit his old army buddy who he saw in a magazine picture. When he gets there, he realizes it's not Arnold Horn. And then she's like, there was another name brought up in the conversation, Von 
Henson? Hessen? I keep saying it wrong. Anyways, Germain finds an Otto von Hessen was a high-ranking Nazi intelligence officer working out of Berlin. He was seen in April right before Berlin fell. Okay, so conveniently, Hessen and Horn are remarkably similar looking. So the real Arnold was a spy in World War II and he was in Berlin at the time. Super convenient. So Hessen used his identity to escape and start a quiet life in America as Arnold Horn. So basically the Patty's dad is really Otto von Hessen pretending to be Arnold Horn out of convenience of they looked alike and he was American and he could escape. So then Stevie turns to Patty and she says Patty and her dad had no clue that Sabrina and Greg had overheard this conversation in the cabana. But when Sabrina admits to making out with Greg, Patty leaves the camp to tell her dad. Then her dad decides that all her friends have to die because he has to keep his fake identity. And they probably all know because Sabrina's a blabbermouth, whatever, whatever. So Patty's like, cool, kill my friends. I don't care. <laughs> and she provides the information about the weekly drug delivery spot. So the dad knows where to go or whatever. So then Patty gets caught on purpose with Greg so she would be protected and wouldn't be obvious that she didn't die. But this is also really stupid because they end up killing Greg, which we'll get there. But like, so why wouldn't she just do something to get herself in trouble so Greg could be there too so they don't have to like go out of their way to kill him? So anyways, there were details of the woodsman's murders in the newspaper and that's why her dad was going into the library while Sabrina was coming out. Okay, so after the dad kills all those kids, there's still the problem with Greg. So this is why I was like, why wouldn't Patty just get in trouble herself? Anyways, Stevie says that when Greg drove away, Patty was crying and waving her flashlight. And okay, pause. Side note, I misspoke in the last episode. I said Patty's dad was like at the football field watching. It wasn't him. It was one of her friend's dads, but whatever. So then Janelle brings up a recreation of the high school and the road. It's super unnecessary, but it's like she builds this whole thing. So long story short, when Greg and her get in that fight, he leaves on his motorcycle and Patty starts waving her flashlight around while she's crying, which is confirmed by Susan, the old camp counselor, because she's there, whatever, big who cares. So this is apparently a signal because she shines her flashlight on the Liberty High sign so it reflects off whatever to wherever her dad was at. I don't know. And this means Greg left. And then there's only one way Greg could have left this parking lot or whatever. So the dad used a high-powered flashlight to blind Greg so he would crash into the wall. Easy peasy because that's how that would work. I, I could rant about this for days. Like that doesn't make sense to me. I mean it does but it doesn't like... There are so many easier ways we could go about this. So anyways, then Stevie explains that when she gave Allison the paper, Allison figured out the diary is hidden in the turtle cookie jar. Allison probably called her friend Patty, who now knew she had to kill Allison, which we don't even like she wouldn't even know this stuff was in the diary. But JIC, I guess. Also, like, what would this matter? Okay, sorry. Side note. Could int Patty, like if the diary is found? Be like, yeah, my dad murdered all those people, but like, I didn't know about it. So, and he's dead now. So like, don't be mad at me. This is all news to me. Shock. Like she could have just done that and not murdered Allison, but whatever. So the theory of how Patty unnecessarily killed Allison is that Patty froze sheets of ice in her big freezer. because She works at the cake place on cake pans and dyed them brown. Then she went out in the middle of summer and put them on a cliff, Allison 
slid on them, fell off the cliff, and then the ice melted so the police would know nothing because that's super plausible. And I'm about to go literally dye ice brown and see if I can lay it in the dirt and see if we notice because this is ridiculous. Also, you would fall straight on your butt. You wouldn't fall off a cliff, but whatever. So I'm screaming <laughs> like you guys don't even understand. Like I was reading this. And I was just shaking my head. No, nope, nope, nope. So anyways, Stevie found the brown food dye on her shirt, which supposedly can be traced to Patty because a certain brand, which, you know, there's only two brands of food dye, so it has to be the one that Patty uses. It's dumb. They're just like pretending like that's going to get her caught or something. So stupid. So anyways, Patty's like, my father was a good man. This is where she could just be like, I didn't know any of this. My dad, like, he did this on his own. That's crazy. So then Stevie says to patty she's like you're probably wondering how i got the diary you probably went back and like searched for it and you couldn't find it or whatever so buckle up because this is completely ridiculous and it's unbelievable a little bit more unbelievable than sheets of ice dyed brown but i digress so stevie said the diary never went into the water she apparently had enough sense when she went into the water even though she was like delusional and dying because her arm apparently to like yell i lost the diary to like throw patty off that didn't happen like i don't believe that like she's trying to say oh i knew to like try to mislead this person even though in the actual chapter stevie like can't even function enough to swim but okay so then this is what stevie really did while they were running before they jumped off the cliff stevie put the diary in the wooden bag pattern from like the bag bag like carson's bag or whatever this is the wood pattern that was hanging on her wall to cover up the surprise note this And then she threw it into the woods because, you know, a bag that looks like wood wall is really easily hidden in the woods. Someone explain this to me. Like, this makes zero sense. And Stevie finds it, but Patty can't find it because you can't just find a bag because it's so hidden because it looks like a wood cabin wall. I don't understand. I'm screaming. Now I got to read page 376 and 377 because I can't. Okay, so this is like kind of my favorite part. So Patty's like... Well, first of all, Paul's like, what'd you do? And she looks at him and she's like, you should say thank you. Todd Cooper, you know what he did to your brother. Everyone knew. The whole town let him get away with it. He told us what he did. He told us he hit Michael. Diane covered for him. Eric definitely had his suspicions, but he never stopped hanging out with him. Same with Greg. Same with me. We were all complicit. And what do you think they'd be doing if they were alive? Todd was a monster, Eric was a dealer, Diane was a stoner loser, and Greg was a dirtbag. My father tried to tell me, but I wouldn't listen. In fact, if we are all being honest, the only person anyone really mourned for was Sabrina. Perfect Sabrina. But who was hanging out with Todd Cooper that night? Perfect Sabrina. Who was making out with my boyfriend at my house when I wasn't home? Perfect Sabrina. And then she like denies it or whatever. But like, she's right. Like these people kind of sucked. Not that they should die, but like, psh- she has a point a little bit. So anyways, then the detective's like, I have a warrant for your DNA, blah, blah, blah. They take her outside. Chapter 30. Let's tie this up in a bow so we never have to talk about it ever again. So Nate's going to write his book. Janelle's going to call Vi. So this leaves Stevie and David. Yay. Yes, we have to end on this. It's not my fault. Blame the book. Okay. So Stevie's going to be going to Ellingham next year. And David's like, I don't want to take this guy's money because he's just trying to get back at my dad. But I'm going to go to England for school and I'm going to pay for myself with loans like a normal person, whatever. Then Stevie says something and then he's like, that's why I love you. And she looks at him like, love? Oh my gosh. He's like, I'm ready to do this for real this time. Like, you're telling me they never said I love you ever? 
They've been together like a year. Big who cares? They make out the end. <laughs> I mean, really, that's the end. Yay. Lingering questions? These aren't even questions. These are more like statements. But I say this is my least favorite book that I've covered to date on The Jolly Reader. I did not like this book. I don't like when there's no clues leading up to it and it was really drawn out. This book was 400 pages. You could literally read the last three chapters and skip the rest of the book and you'd be fine. Also, I could rant about the ice and Alton's death for 10 years. I'm just like not satisfied by this. Also, the killer is dead, being Patty's dad. So we had to bring Patty into the know, so we had someone present day accuse. It just seems lazy to me. Also, in my personal opinion, the left turn into Naziville was distastefully done. Like, I could have gone without that. I don't feel like it was well done. And it was just like, I don't know. It was just weird. Like, it was out of left field. It was uncomfortable. And it didn't really make any sense. And it was unnecessary. So I said what I said. So next time, since we're going into Halloween, <laughs> I'm going to do Goosebumps. So I have two Goosebump books from when I was a little kid. One of them was actually my brother because I found like a bookmark in it. My brother's. So <laughs> this book is from 1994. So I had two. And I read the back covers to my mom and Allie and I let them pick. So this is the one they chose. So it's Goosebumps by R.L. Stein, obviously. One Day at Horrorland. So I'm going to read the back in typical dramatic fashion. The next ride might be their last. The Moores family got lost trying to find Zoo Gardens theme park. But that's okay, they found another amusement park instead. It's called Horrorland. In Horrorland, there are no crowds, no lines, and the admission is free. It seems like a pretty cool place. But that was before the heart-stopping ride on the deadly doom slide and that terrifying experience in the House of Mirrors because there's something weird about the rides in Horrorland. Something a little too creepy, a little too real, dot, dot, dot. And it says, reader beware, you're in for a scare. <laughs> So I just thought it'd be fun to do this for Halloween. And then we'll probably, because there's another week too, we'll probably do some Edgar and Al Allan Poe short stories because they're kind of on theme, kind of fun, whatever. So in closing, thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at the Jolly Reader Podcast. Subscribe so you can get notifications for when new episodes are posted. Please leave a review. It helps other crewmates find this podcast and it makes me smile. Share social media and this podcast, etc., etc. Please thank you. I would appreciate it. If you like secondhand embarrassment, stay tuned for the outtakes. And I will talk to you next time for Goosebumps One Day at Horrorland. That's it. I don't know. I like made it seem like I was going to say something else next time. Okay. Uh, until we sail again, this has been the Jolly Reader. Bon voyage. Hey, you made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Testing. I am not mentally prepared for this episode. I had a Pop-Tart, so that's a plus, but I'm going to need a palate cleanser after this because Stevie drains me. Okay, checking it, I suppose. If my dogs would stop licking. Hey, stop. Rat they always wrestle when I record. It's brooding. Hey, stop. Stop it. Stop. Go lay down. Sunny, go lay down. I feel like I'm really echoey today, so sorry. Not sorry. I can't do anything about it. Okay, so anyways. 
So who are we talking to? I forget her name already. Susan. Susan. Oh, someone's going to mow their lawn right now. Great. Anyways. So Hessen used. Oh, yeah. I just said that. Where the heck is my goosebump book? I have to read it in typical dramatic fashion. Hold on. Okay, it fell off a table into a box. Okay, so anyways. I am Allie. And you were with me to my mom. 